we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. I'm your host each day here on the network on on American Family Radio and this show specifically AFA at the Core. Glad to be with you today, this Monday edition of AFA at the Core. Uh, We got a loaded week. We got a lot of great guests coming on this week to talk about multiple different things uh, going on. But uh, one of the most important things we'll talk about um, is what's going on on the coast, what's going on in Louisiana and South Mississippi. Uh, Later this week, we're going to have on uh, Steve Tiber, founder and president of Eight Days of Hope, uh, co-founder rather, because he founded it with his father, uh, co-founder and president of Eight Days of Hope. Many of you are familiar with Eight Days of Hope. We've been partnering them with them from their conception, which goes back to Katrina, 16 years since uh, Eight Days of Hope has been uh, rebuilding homes and sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in crisis. Uh, so we'll talk to Steve Tiber about their efforts, about their plans for Louisiana and other parts of, uh, of, of Louisiana and South Mississippi, possibly. We'll talk with him about that later this week, so stay tuned for that. Uh, Next segment, we'll have on a special guest to talk about what's going on in Afghanistan, uh, about evacuating uh, what the role that they've been playing, uh, evacuating people from Afghanistan. Uh, The gentleman's name is retired Lieutenant Colonel Perry Blackburn, and we'll have another guest on with him, uh, which is just going by the the, the name Momo because we want to conceal their identity um, because they're helping with what's going on in Afghanistan. So we'll have them on here in about 15 minutes, a great guest uh, to talk about their vital work uh, in the Middle East, getting Americans and Afghan allies out of harm's way. Our scripture for the week is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. And this is uh, should bring humility to each and every one of us. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, be, be, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. So a word to each and every one of us, be, be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8, English Standard Version there. So humility is key to success in God's eyes, so make sure we stay humble. Hey, I wrote an article this week, and, you know, I haven't gotten any complaints about it, so that's a good thing. Uh, usually, when I write in my local paper, um, I get a few a few haters coming my way, but, you know, I wrote this article in my local newspaper, in our local newspaper, in the Daily Journal, the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. I wrote this column. I write a column there about every six weeks, and, um, you know, I tried to make everybody happy here, and here's what I wrote about. Here's the the headline. To get the vaccine or not, a reasonable approach. <laughs> Bobby and Bobby and Marty are laughing. 
uh, about me trying to make everybody happy. How reasonable <laughs> is it? <laughs> Bobby, I thought this thing, man, I thought this this is this is going to make everybody happy. Everybody's going to come together. We're going to bring unity to our country. <laughs> oh, but does that not happen? It's uh, it's all or nothing, folks, and that's that's uh, the way it is now. But here, I'm just going to read read some uh, parts of this from my column in our local newspaper, the Daily Journal. Now that multiple COVID-19 vaccines are available under emergency use authorization, and at least one, Pfizer has full authorization from the FDA, discussion is ramping up on whether individuals should get the shot or not. It may surprise some of my readers who listen to my daily radio show on American Family Radio, but I haven't taken a hardline stance on the shot one way or the other. In the final months of the Trump administration, I discussed frequently the fact that early trials showed that the COVID-19 shot had a 95% efficacy rate. I interviewed Governor Tate Reeves of Mississippi several weeks ago, and he promoted the shot on my show, making the case that the shot helps keep people out of the hospital. Likewise, I recently reported statistics out of Florida which showed that 95% of hospital patients with COVID were unvaccinated. This is all good news, talking about the efficacy of the shot. Listening to some of these statistics, you may be asking yourself, who could be against the vaccine? Well, you've only been presented with half of the story. On my weekly show, this show, AFA at the Core, I've also reported statistics from the VAERS database, Vaccine Adverse Events Reporting System. VAERS is a public reporting system established in 1990, which serves as a, quote, National Early Warning System to Detect Possible Safety Problems in U.S. Licensed Vaccines. That's from their website. This system allows patients, physicians, and others to submit reports to the database. According to the VAERS database, there have been over 400,000, getting close to 500,000 now, adverse events after getting the jab. Events ranging in severity from headache, fever, chills, and heart issues, even some deaths. In addition, I report I reported the most recent data out of Israel, which shows the Pfizer shot with only a 39% efficacy rate, meaning even if you get the jab, you can still become infected and spread it to others. Our own CDC is now recommending fully vaccinated individuals to continue wearing a mask and social distancing because even they've admitted that the shot doesn't protect you from getting COVID and spreading COVID. The campaign to produce these shots was called Operation Warp Speed for a reason. Pharmaceutical companies produced vaccines and took them to market in under 12 months. According to Johns Hopkins University, a typical vaccine development timeline takes 5 to 10 years, and sometimes longer, to assess whether the vaccine is safe and efficacy. Efficacy. Uh, I'll, I'll work on that one later. <laughs> um Safe and effective, basically, in clinical trials, complete the regulatory approval process and manufacture Sufficient quantity of vaccine doses for widespread distribution. That's all from the Johns Hopkins website. While this statement alone doesn't prove our current COVID-19 vaccines ineffective or unsafe, it also cannot be dismissed. The issue seems to be more about risk versus reward than it has to do with vaccine versus anti-vaccine. Some individuals, knowing everything I've stated above, will choose to get the shot. Some individuals, knowing everything I've stated above, will choose to not get the shot. Both groups can likely make very compelling arguments as to why they made their choice. 
Another part of the vaccine discussion that is being largely overlooked is the fact that many people have natural antibodies because they've recovered from COVID-19. Research shows that natural immunity lasts a minimum of eight months, just because that's the only uh, length of time they've had to do this research. Other studies on previous COVID or SARS-CoV-2 infections show that it could even last a lifetime. Um, I was reading a report the other day that the, uh, I think it was 04 SARS-CoV outbreak out of China, again, um, in the early 2000s, people that got that uh, virus in early 2000s, they've still got immunity. Uh, they've still got immunity from that virus 20 years later. According to the FDA, in three to five years, the vaccine manufacturers will have a completed uh, have completed long-term clinical trials and published final reports, which should answer many of these questions. Between now and then, here's my wrap-up here. Between now and then, you and I should be able to make a personal health decision in consultation with our primary physician as to whether or not to get the shot. We should be able to make this decision without fear of losing our job or not being able to participate in public life. So that's my unifying article that I wrote this weekend, to get the shot or not a reasonable approach. And my conclusion is, you should be able to make your own decision as to whether you want to get the shot. And if you don't get the jab, then you shouldn't lose your job and you should still be able to go to the grocery store and participate in public life. But even that's not enough. I know, I know. It's not enough. I'm not going to make everybody happy. Uh, but at least I gave it a shot. Uh, our, um, our resource of the week is an excellent DVD put together by uh, our Cultural Institute, by our American Family Studios team. And this was put together uh, with the help of Frank Turek. And the DVD here is, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. That's the uh, DVD we're offering here this week. This is our resource of the week. And if you want to find this DVD, you can go to resources.afa.net, resources.afa.net. .net and find this DVD right there on the homepage and order it for your family and friends. It's an excellent presentation by our good friend Frank Turek, who hosts Cross-Examined on the weekends here on American Family Radio. Jumping right into um, the news of the week, this uh, I've got two lengthy reports out of, out of Washington, D.C. about what's been going on in Afghanistan. And uh, the first thing I want to talk about is what our leaders knew heading into uh, the last few weeks. How much did our leaders know? Were they ill-informed? Did they know everything that was going to happen? What all did uh, our leaders know? And I came across this Politico report, which I'm actually surprised the media is covering all of this. Um, This is some pretty... Um, some pretty damning information coming out of of these news outlets in Washington, D.C. This one's out of Politico. And reading directly from this Politico report that was published uh, today, actually, here's the Politico report. Just 24 hours before a suicide bomber detonated an explosion, a detonated an explosive outside the international airport in Kabul, senior military leaders gathered for the Pentagon's daily morning update on the deteriorating situation in Afghanistan. 
Speaking from a secure video conference room on the third floor of the Pentagon at 8 a.m. on Wednesday morning in the U.S., 4.30 p.m. in Kabul, Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin instructed more than a dozen of the department's top leaders around the world to make preparations for an imminent mass casualty event, according to classified detailed notes of the gatherings shared with Politico. During the meeting, General Mark Miley, the joint the chair of the Joint Chiefs of Staff warned of a significant intelligence indicating that the Islamic State's Afghanistan affiliate ISIS-K was planning a cl- complex attack. The notes quoted him as saying. Commanders calling in from Kabul relayed that the Abbey Gate, where American citizens had been told to gather in order to gain entrance to the airport, was, was at highest risk and detailed their plans to protect the airport. It goes on to say that on a separate call at 4 that afternoon on the same day, 12.30 a.m. in Kabul, the commanders detailed a plan to close Abbey Gate by Thursday afternoon, which is over 24 hours later. But the Americans decided to keep the gate open longer than they wanted in order to allow their British allies who had accelerated their withdrawal timeline to continue evacuating their personnel based at a nearby hotel, the Baron Hotel. It goes on to say that American um, American military members were still processing entrance at the airport at Abbey Gate when the suicide bombing took place at roughly 6 p.m. Uh, local time there in Kabul. But what I want to pull from this is that our top military leaders knew this was coming. They had detailed intelligence, detailed briefings, that an attack was imminent at the airport. And they even knew which gate it was, it was, it was uh, targeted towards. And as many people have noted, this entire situation was completely avoidable. And I've got more reports that I'll talk about next segment and the last segment about how all of this was avoidable. And to act like, to say that our leaders don't know what they're doing or they're incompetent, that's just not true. Our military leaders, the commander-in-chief, President Biden, his national security team, they all knew exactly what was going on. Detail by detail, they knew what was happening. They knew where the threats were. And our soldiers, our Marines, were still on the front lines in, in, in in a very vulnerable state. AFA at the core will be back in a few minutes. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Prior to the passage of the Federal Reserve Act of 1913, over 80% of American families were debt-free. Today, however, over 80% of the American people are saddled with debt. I was asked recently what advice I could offer in the midst of the national tension we currently face. One of the things I said in response was to work toward getting completely out of debt. So much fruitfulness and faithfulness to God has been robbed from us due to the impact of crushing debt. One of the best things you can do for your family right now is to become Debt free. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for the Hamilton Corner. 
or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Girls today are inundated with the voices of others. Parents, teachers, influencers, they all speak loudly into the minds of girls. But there's one voice that can be difficult to discern, God's. It's unlikely that your girl hears a loud, booming voice that she knows belongs to her creator. She probably, like a lot of us, hears that still, small voice in the back of her mind. It can be hard to decide, especially in difficult circumstances, if it's God speaking truth or the enemy seeking to destroy. With your daughter, contrast the ways the Lord and the enemy speak in Scripture. Notice the differences. For example, where God brings hope, the enemy sows suspicion. The more she reads, the more she can strengthen her spirit of discernment. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. This is good news, maybe exactly when you need it to. Right now, MediShare is waiving their new member fees. This could save you money on top of all that you'll save each month by becoming a member of MediShare. So many people are looking for a healthcare solution right now, seeing the cost of COBRA plans, for instance. And MediShare is the affordable alternative to health insurance. The typical family saves $500 a month, but you might save even more. MediShare is a Christian community that shares each other's health care costs, and because of the current economic situation, they're making it easier than ever. Apply by August 31st, and you can save an additional $170 on your first month. I'll give you the number here in a second, and if you call, you can get a price within two minutes. Just tell them the promo code SHARE to receive your additional savings. Maybe now is the time to make the switch, like more than 400,000 people already have, and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio. Radio. Glad to have you with us. Hey, as a reminder, don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. You can also visit our podcast page at our website, AFR.net. We have the American Family Radio app available. So if you go to your app store, just type in AFR or American Family Radio. Takes you about two minutes, if that, to download the American Family Radio app. And of course, lastly, we make sure we push this uh, podcast to wherever you listen to podcasts whether it be an Apple, an Android device, um, Amazon Alexa, we push the AFA at the core um, podcast to all those different platforms. So pretty much wherever you listen to podcast, you're able to conveniently and easily subscribe to the podcast and get notifications when we publish a new podcast each and every day here on American Family Radio. Um, we are uh, have a, a special guest with us on the line. We have uh, Lieutenant... Colonel uh, Perry Blackman on with us uh, via phone, who has been really heavily uh, assisting Americans and Afghan allies to get out of Afghanistan, as many veterans and uh, former service members have have done. Uh, they've just been scrambling to get people out, and we've got a lot of a lot of heroes uh, coming uh, out of uh, out of all this. And so, um, uh, L- Lieutenant Colonel, thank you for coming on to AFA at the Corps. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity 
to talk to your audience and uh, enlighten them a little bit on our, what we've been doing and truly what the, the ground truth is and the difficulties that uh, our partners on the ground trying to escape the next regime of the Taliban are having just to get in on an airplane and, and leave. Yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about um, about leading into this because um, you know many people act like this caught everybody by surprise, but as you know, people who are familiar with what's going on, uh, what has been going on in Afghanistan for the last several months, this really wasn't necessarily a surprise. Maybe maybe the speed at which Afghanistan fell was a surprise for some. But kind of tell us where you how you got in with on this from the from the get go. So great point, actually. Um, so we started this over a phone call. It's as simple as that. We started this. We, we just like you guys watched this catastrophic event unfolding. The only difference was we weren't surprised. We were talking to people that we could leverage when this started and told them that this is not going to work the way you're doing. There's just no way because we've been there. We've, I spent my youth fighting for this country so much so that it's a generational thing. My son joined and and spent his youth fighting for the same country that we believe in freedom and, and Liberty. And so when we watched this go down, we, we started getting phone calls and it was people that we had worked with, partnered with, fought with whose family members had died in pursuit of this Liberty that we, we gave these people for so long, for 20 years. And it was a simple request. Can you help us get into the airport? And that's how this started. As simple as that, we had guys that worked with us that were American citizens now that could not get in the airport. And at first it was shocking. We just, what would it? Wait a minute, come on now. <laughs> yeah. You can just go just show your passport, you know, and just get in there. You you can go in there. No, they could not. Um, it was a total uh as you've seen, everybody's seen it on TV. You can't think about trying to get through that to a gate, present your credentials and the gates closed at this time. Right. For whatever reason. And, and so that's how this started in this started with these phone calls and it started with this frustration of folks like me that just had been there and done that with the people on the ground that wanted to do something different. And this miracle happened. I mean, just an absolute miracle of life. And I think it happened because a lot of us didn't know anything, anything else to do. So we got down on our knees and we just prayed and said, Lord, I don't know where this is taking me, but I need some help. I know I got talents enough to do this. And the next thing you know, we started, these networks started forming with people. And it was all kind of people, different persuasions, different backgrounds, um, different lifestyles. So it wasn't just Green Berets that was doing this. Mm. Nurses, doctors, lawyers all jumped in. And so we built these networks to solve this, these wicked problem sets that our government created. Uh, yeah unnecessarily so, unfortunately so, um, to try to get people free in, out of Afghanistan. Let, let me ask you this, um, and I know this is going to be hard to nail down, but 
Um, since this began a few weeks ago, how many people, number one, how many people are helping you or are part of your coalition? And then number two, estimated how, how many people have y'all helped facilitate to get out of Afghanistan? Uh, so, you know, everybody, uh, we've been trying to put the numbers together, too, and this thing is moving so fast. I would say we've, we've helped in excess of about fifteen to 17,000 people um, that we've touched to try to get through. How many people have gone through is really difficult to, to know. We, we know that the USG State Department said that they did 27,000 and 48 hours or something, which caught us up by surprise because we're thinking, mm. well, then we should be done. Yeah. Because the number was 10,000 when this started. Gotcha. But we knew that number wasn't right because it, it just kept building and so, more people started contacting us. So here's the, here's the interesting thing. So it's not just people that have their American passports that are Americans, but they've applied for a visa and being accepted into the country with a visa, and we can't get them through the gate. And it's not just our country, right? So other countries have accepted them also with visas, but we have a single point of failure in that we're all trying to get out of the airport in Kabul. Yeah, so we can't get them out. Yeah, to talk, uh, okay, here, here's the narrative that I want you to, to tell us the truth uh, of what's going on. If you keep up with the U.S. government and their spokespersons and, and the U.S. Embassy in Kabul, uh, you're going to get this idea that there's nothing wrong over there. All these Americans and Afghan allies, all they've got to do is get to the airport, right? Go through these safe checkpoints, get to the airport, no big deal. But the reality, talk about the reality of the checkpoints and the difficulty of these people, of our allies, getting to the airport. Yeah, so I was talking to Shannon Breen at Fox News the other day about this because I don't think we as Americans have an appreciation for this. And and I want to kind of set the stage a little bit on this. When I went into Afghanistan in 01 with the Special Forces Group, we one of the first things that happened to us was we had a casualty at a checkpoint. And it was in the early days, and his name, you know, God bless him, Nate Chapman, and he was an advanced force operator that was working through, and we didn't really truly understand how dangerous these checkpoints are with the Taliban and the tribes. Well, you plant that on in today, right? For 20 years, these folks have not never had to worry about these Taliban checkpoints because we've provided them an opportunity for peace. Mm. Now they know, they remember what it was like when these checkpoints started. So the abject fear that they have seeing these Taliban folks shaking them down for money and shaking them down just to be hateful, really, just to be disruptive, um, is really tough on them. So we're trying to, so we were maneuvering these folks around there to get to the gate. Things have swapped uh, in the past 24 hours, probably maybe a little 36 hours. The gates have kind of opened with, to let people in, but the Taliban now have a list of folks that they're pretending that they're going to let in or not let in. And this is this list that you keep hearing our government talk about who they, they provided the Taliban with the list. So that just empowered them. Yeah. It 
And the other thing you've got to understand, it's not like these folks are well-educated. So they're, they're not well-read anyway. So you, But they, it gives them a sense of, of authority over people, just more so than they were. So now it's tougher to get through the Taliban checkpoints, even to get to a gate. Of course, we're running up against a timeline that's going to be over. But I will tell you this. I'm going to tell you all the listeners this, too. It may be over for the government, but it's not going to be over for us. We will continue working until everyone is out. Not one, not one is left behind. Not one is stranded. I promise you that. We're not going to stop. Wow, that's that's encouraging. And and these are the heroes here. I mean, this is what our, our government and our military should be doing this. They should be the ones facilitating um, the safe passage for American citizens and Afghan allies out of there. We shouldn't have to have, you know, retired uh, military uh, coming in and doing this, but thank God you guys are because nobody else would. Um, so you guys, you're doing what you got to do. Um, are you aware of any, uh, are you personally aware of any U.S. citizens or uh, people who quali- qualify for an SIV, special immigrant visa, that are still stuck in Afghanistan? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, and and this is uh, this is a, a bizarre narrative that that we're tr- that we have to counter. We got to understand. Um, if you want to, if the, those that wanted to leave have left, we have no more American citizens that don't want to leave. That's absolutely false. We've got a guy in the special forces qualification course to be a Green Beret who's an American citizen, and his family is not. And they're there, and wow. they have an, an SIV, and they can't get uh, a special immigration visa, and they can't get through. We also have people that have their extended families. The husband has his American passport. The wife and children don't. They just have the immigration visa. Who's going to leave their family behind? Yeah. Right? You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's not what we would even do. So when you say that there's people that want to come but are choosing not to, that's not accurate. It's they're choosing to yeah. be with their families. If you're not going to let us bring our families through, yeah, Lieutenant Colonel, let me ask you this. Um, by the way, we're talking to Lieutenant Colonel Perry Blackman, retired Lieutenant Colonel Perry Blackman, who has been helping to facilitate uh, Blackburn. Sorry about that. Who has been helping right. to facilitate um, uh, getting American citizens and special immigrant visas and American allies, people who helped our troops on the grounds in Afghanistan for the last 20 years, helping to facilitate getting them out uh, because of the situation that our government has placed us in over there. Um, let me ask you this. There's, um, you know, and I'll even admit in the in the first days of this, in the first few days of this developing, you know, I thought, wow, our leaders are just inept. They just don't know what, what on earth they're doing. Uh, but but uh, the more I read, the more they knew. I mean, our, our government, they're not, we're not run by dummies. I mean, they may not have wisdom. They may not make good decisions. But our government, and it's apparently becoming obvious to me, the more I study, is that our generals, our military, our State Department, they all knew something like this was coming. And we're still stuck in this terrible situation, and all we have is this little airport. Sure. So let's just understand that. We, when we plan an operation, we plan against the most dangerous enemy course of action. It's not 
we don't skip that over. So we know what the most dangerous course of action was, and we have a plan for it. Somehow or another, in our haste to get out of the country, we didn't execute the plan against the most dangerous course of action, which pretty much is what we're watching unfold. I mean, when you have 13 of America's finest die on the front line, and we haven't had anybody die in 18 months, there's a, there is a catastrophic failure in the execution of that operation. And we're now doubling down on it and reinforcing that failure in our, in the way we're doing it. Now, I don't want to be one of those second, those armchair quarterbacks. Um, but I'll tell you, if I would have failed at an operation this bad, I, I would have been fired. Yeah, absolutely. And no doubt about it. And the fact that we, we're seeing this unfold, and I want to, I want to make this point also, and then I, that we are, we are watching the success of what we've done in a, in a crazy way. We're watching Christians come together to help Muslims, regardless of religion affiliation. Nobody cares and they don't care. That's an important fact here. That's something that's evolved out of this that I don't think anybody kind of recognizes. The second thing is, we had Afghanis hanging on the outside of an airplane to come to America. They witnessed on the ground every day with our presence what freedom and America represents, how we brought that to them. They began, they began to even act like us and you know they were dipping copenhagen with us and um they had the same slang we would have and you could tell who they were working with with their draw you know it was just this great moment and we we educated women yeah i mean uh i said this the other night you know malala she she took a round to the face to stand up against the taliban and wow. we championed her cause. We championed her cause across America. Wow. And and we educated those women. And we, there is no way we didn't realize negotiating with the yeah. Taliban that they would yeah. not clamp down on this. Yeah, you're right. Hey, Lieutenant Colonel, thanks for coming on. God bless you. All right, folks. Uh, Thank thank you, Lieutenant Colonel. We'll be back in a few minutes. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. When you hear this. This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. 
We believe true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to live. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. And we thank you for your support. The ministry of Preborn is the ultimate life support, helping moms in crisis choose life. I definitely would have gone down the wrong road and probably would not have given my son life if they had not been there to support me. From giving me the ultrasound to throwing a baby shower, and they went out and they got churches to cover my bills. They helped me through so much. It was just incredible. Preborn centers are the ultimate life support for moms in crisis across America, providing hope, love, and free ultrasounds. He's 10 and he's my little angel. Preborn clinics are the largest providers of free ultrasounds in the United States. Would you join with Preborn in rescuing babies? One ultrasound is just $28, or five ultrasounds are $140. All gifts are tax deductible. To donate, dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 baby or go to preborn.com. The Word of God tells us many times in one form or another, fear not. Today in the world, many people are very fearful about some of the many perils and dangerous happenings that are going on in the world. Psalm 91 verses 1 and 2 tell us, He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in Him I will trust. I'm Joseph Parker, and we here at the American Family Association would like to remind you, fear not, put your trust in the Lord. We'd like to both encourage and challenge you to aggressively put your faith to work. And one way to do that is to pray Psalm 91 daily for yourself and your family and keep your trust in Him. If you'd like to get a copy of the Psalm 91 prayer for yourself, email us here at psalm91 at afa.net. Again, that's psalm91 at afa.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at afr.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Hey, we decided to keep the retired Lieutenant Colonel Perry Blackburn on the line with us, and we also patched in a a guest with the Lieutenant Colonel who's also helping in this operation. Uh, And by the way, uh, we're talking to Lieutenant Colonel uh, Perry Blackburn, and then on with us we also have um, a, a, a civilian nurse who goes by the name of Momo, and they've been, along with others, have been facilitating getting American citizens, getting uh, Afghan allies out of Afghanistan, out of harm's way, and, and trying to get them uh, to these to these other ally countries and hopefully get them into the U.S. Um, jumping right back into this, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, you want to go ahead and introduce your guest that we have with us? Yeah, this, this is an exceptional uh, young lady, and and. She- just so proud to to have her part of the team. She's not a green beret. Um, she's not even a steel. She is an she is a gem of a person, um, and she has been instrumental in all of the successes we have. And it's people like her that have come to this problem set to help solve it that are helping us be successful. She is a nurse by trade. <laughs> Uh, which is, you know, which is great. She's, she's, she definitely uh, is in the helping business, but now she's um, an underground travel agent. 
Love that. I got it. I got it. Hey, that's good. Hey, Momo, I want to ask you something. Um, number one, how did you get involved with this, with this project, with this undertaking, this huge undertaking? How did you get involved with it? Um, and, and we'll start there. Go ahead and answer that question. I worked for the federal government in different capacities as a nurse for 26 years. I was actually blown up in Afghanistan. So I was attached to a lot of units that I met a lot of these people. So when the phone calls started happening two weeks ago, I got the call. Wow. Let me ask. Yeah, sorry to interrupt. Continue. That's how we all got together. Okay. Yeah. Make sure your phone's close enough to your mouth so we can hear you with the audio there. Uh, let me ask you this, okay. uh, Lieutenant Colonel: Have you have you guys had any support from the federal from the U.S. government? And I'm not talking ad hoc support. I'm talking official support, where where people in places actually tell you guys they're willing to help. They're willing to help somebody get into the airport, or have you guys just been flying solo on your own? For the most part, it's solo on our own. But our contacts and our and, and people that we're leveraging skill sets with have afforded us opportunities inside the wire to be helpful. Um, I will say that the USG as a broader whole has been disruptive. And and I say that because of just the, the throughput, the corridors trying to get folks in there. Um, there's nothing been done to help facilitate that. If it would have been, Momo wouldn't be the, the the rock star that she is right now. She would have been living her life, doing her thing, um, mm. helping other people. But because of that, we are all galvanized trying to get people on an airplane to freedom. Yeah. So no, I don't. There hasn't really been, other than the people on the ground, absolutely on the ground, helping us to get people into freedom. Momo, let me ask you this: what's the what's what's the most difficult aspect of this i mean hopefully well no you know you guys aren't wrapping up as lieutenant colonel said that y'all are going to stick to this till you get everybody out that needs to be out uh what's been the most challenging part i mean you've got communication you've got logistics you've got all these things going on what's been the most challenging i can tell you that it's it's ongoing the most challenging while we were trying to get folks through kia with and we were very handcuffed and i will tell you this story I never get involved with politics, but I did email my congressman, my senator, starting a week and a half ago. And I said, I need help. I need help. And we were moving the specific pack that we refer to as the umbrella pack. Mm-hmm. And we had them located at what's called the Abbey Gate at, at Kia. And I didn't get intel. I did not get intelligence from the United States. I got intel from the British Army. We, we're, move, we're moving... We're fluid. We keep moving. We keep moving. But I would, my people would have been killed at that when that happened if it wasn't for the British intelligence. That's how we're working on our own. Wow, wow. And and as Lieutenant Colonel said last segment, you know anybody can can Monday morning quarterback here, but somebody's going to have to answer. I mean, we, we there are there are positions of power and influence in this country um, that are that are that are they're they're they're. They're sworn to protect and sworn to make decisions in the best interest of America and our citizens and our allies. Um, and a lot of that just hasn't been done for, in an official capacity. Well, hey, thank you guys for coming on. God bless your work. Keep up the good work. And we'd love to have you on again in the coming weeks or the coming months uh, when some of this stuff cools down. 
Thank you. Hey, just one real quick, if I can make a uh, just a plug real quick, we, sure. you know, if you will, if you need some help, or if you're willing to support us, um, we're we're trying to get as much logistics as we can pushed down to the people that need it. Um, get with the radio station. We'll leave our contact information, and if you have somebody you're in contact with that needs help, get with us. We will do everything we can to help you. Lieutenant Colonel, do you guys have a website, or, or are you on us to put that up on our podcast page later? Yeah. Yeah, you can, afgfree.org. Okay. Yep, afgfree.org, and we'll give it to you to put there, and we will definitely take any $1.50, we don't care. Okay. We're just pushing, and we're not getting paid, we're pushing it to the people that need it. We're probably the only nonprofit that's doing that right now. Wow, so that's afgfree.org. Yes, sir. Okay. Hey, God bless you, Momo, and Lieutenant Colonel, we'll have you on again soon. Hey, thank God you. bless you guys, and thank thank you for your audience. Absolutely, oh, we're honored. Thank you for your service um, to our country. There you have it, folks. That's two individuals uh, from um, uh, who have a lieutenant colonel, obviously has a military background, uh, but the civilian nurse there. She's traveled, worked with our troops, served as a nurse uh, with the U.S. government, um, and so she has a lot of experience there. And so both of them are partnering with these other vets uh, to get our American citizens out of harm's way. So God bless them. Uh, when all of the dust settles on this, they're going to be the heroes. Uh, they're going to be the American heroes who stepped up to the plate in a time of crisis and a time of need. <clears throat> Jumping back to some of these articles I told you I was going to talk about, I mentioned the Pentagon report out of Politico talking about how um, our top our top military brass knew this was coming. Uh, they knew an imminent attack was coming to the airport at one of the gates. Um, and our Marines uh, were left out there uh, with thousands of people outside of the wire. Um, absolute, absolute preventable uh, tragedy. Another thing uh, I want to do is play this clip three. This is, uh, this is clip three. This is a CNN report, folks, from July 2nd. This is a CNN report from early the first week of July, a CNN report at Bagram Air Base, which is about 40 miles north of Kabul, uh, that used to be a U.S.-run airbase, very big facility there. This is a CNN report about the U.S. and Afghan government uh, turning over, or rather the U.S. government turning over this airport, giving it up, and, 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 and retreating to Kabul. Clip three, let's listen. Here at Bagram Air Base, this is the first time we've been given access to this facility since U.S. and NATO forces departed on Friday. And what is wrapping up behind me is a high-level meeting of the National Security Council, a delegation sent by Ashraf Ghani to assess what the Americans actually left here at Bagram Air Base and how the Afghans can use it moving forward. Uh, we were taken to the, the airfield, the runway, which is two miles long. This was the hive of activity at the height of this war where fighter jets, cargo planes and surveillance aircraft would depart and, and land constantly. It is now absolutely deserted. Uh, there are air hangars in the background that have been locked. The Afghans still don't have access to them. And then around here, you can see it's like a, a car yard. There are hundreds of cars, SUVs, pickup trucks that have been left by the Americans 
for the Afghans. It comes at a time where the, the security situation in this country is deteriorating rapidly. We know that the Taliban are, have, have taken more than 150 districts just in the past two months. Uh, the vice president of Afghanistan said that there are tens of thousands of people fleeing the countryside because of the fighting coming to the cities. And that was backed up by the United Nations, which said more than 56,000 people have had to flee four provinces in the northeast. Well, there you have it. That's a CNN report from July 2nd about the situation at Bagram Air Force Base there, at Bagram Air Base, rather. In, um, in Bagram, about 40 miles north of Kabul, and our own U.S. military officials testifying before Congress about a month ago, they stated, or a little over a month ago, they stated that they didn't need Bagram. One of, uh, a U.S. A congressperson questioned uh, the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, and Mark Milley was there as well, questioned them uh, questioned the secretary on whether we needed to keep Bagram so we could exfil and, and and evacuate American citizens, and and before the secretary Austin could answer, Mark Milley, the general, the four-star general, jumps in and says, "Oh no, no, we don't need Bagram. We, we don't need Bagram. Uh, all we need is Kabul." That's what he said. All we need is Kabul. I'm going to pull the clip for tomorrow. As a matter of fact, uh, all we need is Kabul. He said. This was all planned. Let me just go ahead and tell you, there's questions about, well, how much did Biden know? How much did the, did the general know? They all knew what was coming. It is becoming abundantly clear that our government actually, not only did they know what was happening in Afghanistan, they facilitated it. They facilitated the Taliban taking over Afghanistan. That is not an exaggeration. That's not a conspiracy theory. After all, let's remember, if you read and know the agreement that was between the U.S. or the Afghan government, a.k.a. the U.S. and the Taliban, the agreement was for the Taliban to take over the country. It was a so-called power-sharing agreement. <laughs> a power-sharing agreement with the Taliban? That basically means that the agreement was that the Taliban takes over the country. That's not a secret. Anyone who's familiar with the Trump negotiations with the Taliban that took place in Qatar— all the way up until now, we all know that that this was a deal for the Taliban to take over Afghanistan. That's not a secret. That's not a conspiracy. Our own government, that was part of the deal. And how I know this is because McKenzie, who is the um, commander of U.S. CENTCOM, U.S. Central Command, this was buried, I don't know, about eight pages into a Washington Post article this weekend. And here, I'm going to read what our... U.S. Uh, CENTCOM commander, McKenzie is his last name, what he did when he negotiated with the Taliban a couple weeks ago. Yeah, this was the, in the, this was the Sunday, this was Sunday, August 15th is when this was, in Doha, Qatar. Sunday, before uh, all of Afghanistan was taken over by the Taliban, in a hastily arranged in-person meeting, reading directly from this Washington Post article, Senior U.S. military leaders in Doha, including McKenzie, the, the commander of U.S. CENTCOM, spoke with Abdul Ghani Bardar, which is the head of the Taliban. And, Bar and, and uh, well, let's just call him Ghani. That's what everybody calls him, the Taliban leader. The Taliban leader said this to our uh, commander. 
We have a problem. We have two options to deal with. You take the uh, responsibility for securing the city of Kabul, or you have to allow us to do it. That was what the Taliban leader said. The Taliban leader told the U.S., either you have to secure Kabul until you get all your troops out, or we're going to have to secure it. Somebody's got to secure Kabul. Well, guess what our military commander said? The Taliban needs to secure Kabul. We don't want to secure Kabul. You're going to have to secure Kabul. He went on to say that all we need is the airport. That's what he told the Taliban. All we need is the airport. So this was the, the, the Kabul being taken over, by, taken over by, Afghan, by the Taliban was planned. It was agreed upon that the Taliban would take control of Kabul. So this wasn't, you know, the Taliban rushes in and the Afghan National Army is caught off guard. No, it was all planned. It was all planned and agreed upon. And the U.S. could have secured, according to the Taliban offer there, the U.S. Uh, military could have secured Kabul, the entire city, until uh, our troops were out and, most importantly, American citizens and Afghan allies were out. That means we would have had an entire city secure um, from uh, ISIS and Taliban threats. But instead, our own commander, McKenzie, told the Taliban that we didn't need Kabul. All we needed was the airport. And what happens after that is we've got a city in chaos, Kabul in chaos, You've got the Taliban running the streets, and these guys are terrorists. Let's remember that. These guys are terrorists. And then ISIS slips in, allegedly. We don't really know, actually, who blew up, who did the bomb. We got terrorists slip in, and they blow up 13 service members. I mean, I don't know how someone doesn't have to resign for this. Someone doesn't have to be impeached for this, the president. Somebody has to answer for this. We cannot make terrible decisions repeatedly over and over again for months and not answer to the consequences that have taken place. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back next time with more of AFA at the core. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.